All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Tabletop Cyberpunk. My name is John John the Wise. I'm your host. This is the podcast about Cyberpunk 2020 and Red, the tabletop games, and anything in between by our Talsorian if it ever comes up. But if you're here because of the tabletop RPGs, then you're at the right place. Welcome. And uh, today we'll be talking about power gaming, or as other people call it, min-maxing, or as other people call it, people that ruin the game. Just kidding about that last one. But before we get into that, make sure you guys are subscribing to the YouTube. That's where I make most of my content. I have cool cyberpunk videos there. And I have a Twitch. I have a Twitter. I'm on pretty much all the social media platforms, even TikTok. Gotta dip your toes in that water, you know? And if you guys want to join a really awesome community of cyberpunk fans, then the description will have the link. Make sure you get in there. And we have some really cool people that are there ready to talk about cyberpunk, and you could be one of them. Now, what else? Yes, one more thing on the docket. Cyberpunk on the spot. Save the date. July 9th at Thursday, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We will be going live to play another session of cyberpunk on the spot. And then that Saturday, you guys will get a war story. I hope you like the war stories. I hope it's not something that you guys dread or anything like that. I feel that's one of my fun. That's one of the things that I like about other people. I like hearing their stories of what happened, their accounts, especially in not in text format. If they're a really good storyteller, maybe I'm not. But if they are, then I'm like sucked in and I want to hear what they have to say about the story. So that's my attempt at doing it. And I hope you guys like it. And that's pretty much it. Let's get straight into power gaming. First, let's talk about what is power gaming. Power gaming, what is it and why does it suck? Well, it's it doesn't always suck. And we'll talk about that later. That's like the twist at the end of this whole rant. But power gaming, what that pretty much is, is somebody... T- when they're they're playing tabletop games and they create their character in whatever system that it's in, their main focus and their main goal is to make the most powerful character in the game. And this could be powerful in every in whatever sense. Most of the time it's combat. That's what most people want to do. But some people they want to max out one aspect about them to like the nth level and finding supplements and and loopholes in rules and stuff like that just so they can mold this awesome powerful all-knowing immune character that can never go down never die never get hurt and wins every every interaction that they're in and doesn't win even by a little bit i mean they destroy it they they demolish it and anything less than that is unacceptable for a power gamer right and that is a big issue in a lot of tabletop games it's been like kind of it's turned into this uh scarlet letter or something Maybe that's a little too dramatic, but you do hear a lot of people talking about how they just don't appreciate the power gamer, that it ruins the game. Some of the fun is role playing, is challenge, it's it's having a handicap, it's having some a disadvantage, something. And power gamers, they don't want any of that. They don't want 
any obstacles in front of them. They want everything to be, they want to be able to bulldoze over anything that you put in front of them. And because of that, you have a huge dichotomy and, and kind of like this uh, duality with how people play. And some people, if they're power gamers, all they're focused on is killing things or being the best. Role players are focused on telling a really good story. Now, there's a little bit of a Venn diagram where, like, a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B, and I feel like that's everybody's sweet spot. You know, you still want to be able to do cool stuff in combat and hold your own, but that's not your main focus, right? I think that's the sweet spot that most people fall in, right? Now, let's talk about how it applies in Cyberpunk. I'm going to take a sip right here. So in Cyberpunk, one of the most popular examples, I'll give it to you right now. First step, you make a solo. Second step, you take a martial art. Third step, you get a cyber limb that is directly related to your martial arts. So kicking, punching, whatever. Fourth step, everything dies. That's pretty much one of the most common min-max power gaming combos that you'll ever see in Cyberpunk. You make a solo, you take a martial art, have a cyber limb, everybody dies. That's the combination. Now, on top of that, you have armor layering, plus skin weave, plus bone lace, plus subdermal armor, plus heavy leather jacket. And the thing about armor laying, it, layering is most people are doing it wrong because the chart... First of all, armor and the whole thing about armor, if you guys have ever played in any of my games, you know that I'm really weird about armor i give everybody a set amount of armor and i say we'll upgrade your armor as we're playing but at character creation this is how much you got okay don't worry about any whatever you're wearing what hat you have on what shoulder pads and most people are okay with it but i do feel a little bit of uh not pushback but people feel like oh they wish that they had more options there you know, because there's so many options in the book. I just named a bunch of them. Skin weave, bone lace, subdermal armor, heavy leather vest, blah, blah, uh, metal gear. And the trade-off in the rule set is something called encumbrancy value. And what that pretty much means is if you have all this stuff on you, you lose humanity. It's too hard for you to carry, so you'll start taking negatives in combat and number three, the the chart, you're probably you're not using the chart, so you're probably doing everything wrong. If you're adding skin weave, which is whatever number, let's just give it an arbitrary number. I know this is incorrect, but just for an example, let's say skin weave is 10, bone lace is another 10, and your leather vest is another 10. You don't have 30 armor. You don't have 30 SP is what it's called. That is the incorrect way of doing it. What you're supposed to be doing is using this chart that's in the book. I don't know it off the top of my head, but it tells you what to subtract and how much of this and that and the encumbrancy value and blah, blah, blah. And it makes it a little bit more complicated. So this is where a power gamer and a min-maxer, this is what they love. They get to this part of the character creation and they just start tacking things on. And even if they do it correctly, you could still be really powerful. I mean, you've already taken a martial art and you have a cyber limb and you've cracked the code on armor layering. Now you're impervious to damage and you're a murderer. You kill everything around you. 
So other than that, there is one other aspect to power gaming in Cyberpunk that I've seen, and that is the loot everything rule. Loot is a four-letter word, guys. Think about just the idea of loot. So we all like loot, right? Especially when we play video games. I mean, there was a whole company about loot box. Remember that thing that went under? Who would have saw that coming, right? Well, we like getting things. We like acquiring things. But in real life, the way that you acquire things is different than how it works in video games. You don't take things off of dead bodies. That's just not unless you're some kind of weird scavenger or something like that. In real life, you don't really take things off of dead bodies. So it's a really weird thing to do. But we're talking about a game, obviously. And even though this game tries to be as realistic as possible and and touch that human nerve, and that's what makes it one of the most amazing tabletop RPGs out there, is, is they do try to be as authentic as possible. Even though it has that, you still want to you wanna play the game, you know? At the end of the day, it's a game. So you want to earn loot and stuff like that. The power gamer... In their mind, but before they get into a situation, all they're thinking is there's a bunch of stuff here that once I kill everyone or lay waste to all the obstacles here, there will be a reward. These people are hoard- holding on to valuables. There's valuables here. There's something here that I want. And I don't know what it is, but my expectation is as a power gamer that after I kill everything and and not have a scratch on me, I will be acquiring more things, which is a crazy way to think if you're already the most powerful being there. What else would you need? What else would you want? But there is, there's never enough for the power game. The power gamer, that's part of their game. The game is to always excel and to be better and better until it gets to a point where either your character is so powerful that the GM has to take the character off your hands and say, hey, you know, unless you're willing to play God, uh, it's it's going to be kind of boring, you know? So that's the power gamer in Cyberpunk. You Usually it's a solo. Usually it's a killer. Impervious to damage. Goes around asking for loot. Now, the thing about loot in my games is I understand that it needs to be there. and I allow my players to loot. And if they ask for it, I tell them, yeah, there's stuff there. It won't always be remarkable or anything. And sometimes when they loot, I tell them, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. And then they look through the stuff and they realize it's not, you know, uh, it's not a novel thing that they're looking at. There's nothing remarkable about the loot that's around them. And that's pretty much what life is, really, unless you, like, take something specific, like... You're on a street, there's a guy in a, in a sports car, it's an it's a exotic sports car, let's say. You kill him, you take his car, the loot was the car. And that's expected, because we established that it's there. But once all the combat is over, and everybody's dead, and you're about to talk to the guy that you were gonna talk to after you killed his bodyguards, it's really weird to like go through their pockets at that moment, you know? And look at their weapons and see if there's something, if they have any, in cyberpunk, think about cyberware. You know, you see some cool cyberware, you're like, oh, let me cut this guy's arm off real quick. Take it with me. It's, it, it's, it's a little off-putting 
You know, there's a way to do it, definitely. I feel like if you weren't a power gamer and you were loot trying to loot for cyberware or there was a reason behind why you were trying to get this cyberware, then maybe I can understand. But to just to arbitrarily always have that mantra, it's like a philosophy. Like if I, once we kill everything, we, we loot it. That philosophy, it, t- it takes the immersion of the game for the other players away. I've seen it happen. Now it's like, oh, well, we're just playing a shitty video game. Think about it that way. There's people that try to design tabletop RPGs or homebrew them in such a way that they're more closer to video games. And I've done that in the past too. And this is me speaking from experience. And what that usually does is it cheapens the experience of the tabletop game because you're making it a a hybrid like wannabe video game and taking away the, the novel parts of it. And then if you look at it as a video game, it's a terrible video game. There's way better. If you play compared to Diablo, I mean, Diablo has got you beat on whatever homebrew system you're, beat, you're trying to make, you know? So instead of trying to be something that you're not, focusing on the strengths that you already have with the tabletop RPG, which is theater of the mind and, uh, you know, basic, basic stuff. Just put basic stuff out there and let people's creativity tell the story. A video game story is already told. You, they give you some of the best video games, like Skyrim, for example. They give you the illusion that you're creating a new story that somebody else is not experiencing. But really, if, the, if everybody else plays the game as, as much as, every, as possible everyone's going to be going through the same encounters and the story will be the same. Everybody's story will be the same. Anybody that's played Skyrim for over 3,000 hours, it's the same story to them. Everything's the same. Nothing is... You haven't overturned anything. But when it comes to tabletop RPGs, the story and the execution of the story can never be duplicated. That's why one-shot adventures work. You play. You can play them constantly as long as it's a, a different group of people or people are willing to change their characters and do things differently and take other options. There's an infinite possibilities of how you can get things done in a, in a one-shot adventure. You can't say the same about video games, right? So that's a strength that video games can never contend with. And they've, developers have been trying to copy that. So when a power gamer comes and tries to duplicate what they feel in a video game because i mean in video games like diablo like we mentioned you're you're killing machine i mean thousands of bodies millions of bodies under you of demons and i mean why do they even come back after they've seen millions of their own kin just falling by the wayside to you and other other you know nephilim that's what they're called nephilim you're just destroying all these bodies and killing and, 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 and genociding these demons, but they keep coming back. So anyway, it was a little bit of a digression. The idea is that your power gamer is trying to duplicate that. And it's a problem for a lot of the other players there because they're focused on trying to tell a story, but the power gamer is not. So what usually happens with this? 
What usually happens is, especially with Cyberpunk, I mean, if you look at the core rulebook, it gives you all the tools you need to be a power gamer, which I think is great. I think that it should be there, and we'll talk about that, how power gaming is good later. But I think that the tools should always be there for everybody to play it whatever way that they want, right? And it's fine that those things are there. But what usually happens is someone's a power gamer, they start playing with the group, and immediately the group alienates that power gamer. And the power gamer becomes a problem. And the GM will go on and say that that was a nightmare player, and they're never going to have a power gamer in their game ever again, or they're stressing over this power gamer because power gamers hit you up. They say, hey, what about this rule? What about this? What can I do about this? Can I have this? And it's like you're sitting there. You're, no one else is messaging you. It's just this person. So you're, you're going crazy trying to figure out what's powerful, what's not, and you're kind of stressing about it. So it's understandable if you don't want to have that person in your game. Now, some of the solutions I can give you is ask the power gamer to try a different role. Instead of being the solo, ask them to try something else just to, and, and try to worry about being authentic. And if that's not what they want to do and they're like, no, I really wanted to play a solo and just go around murdering everybody, then, you know, you either tell them that you can't play in my game or you give them a chance and let them play that they want to. And I'm not, I'm not a power gamer, right? I've never been one. My first character that I made was a solo, but that was before I even knew what the hell was going on. After that character, I don't know if they died, or my buddy Arnok says that character didn't die, but I'm not sure. The next character I made was a cop. Now, when I made this cop, I didn't ask my buddy Arnog, I didn't say, what's the best gun in the game? I said, what's a, what's a pistol that a cop would use? And he pointed one out, and I said, all right, give me that pistol. And that's what I went with. I didn't know the stats. I didn't care for the stats or anything like that. This is before I knew anything about gaming. I just wanted to make an authentic character. I wanted to get in the mind space of someone who's a corrupt cop, and a corrupt cop's sidearm is, is whatever, it's inconsequential. A corrupt cop's connections and, uh, and their next gig and stuff like that, that's way more important to them than the pistol that they're carrying. As long as the pistol's decent and it does its job, that's all they need, right? So that's what I'm always trying to think of, being authentic to the role. And you see that a lot, especially with people that don't play solos. It's like the power gamers usually play solos, and then the ones that want to give it a chance start playing other, you know, they, they, they go with cop or nomad if they still want to be kind of a badass, and then they go fixer, rocker boy, med tech, and blah, 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 all those media down the line if they want to try something special. You don't get those a lot, unfortunately, but I always love it when I see it. Now, that we talked about that. We talked about what a power gamer in Cyberpunk is. We talked about how it sucks. We talked about everything that they do and even gave you guys options on how you can be a better power gamer or another instead of a power gamer being something else. Now I want to talk to you guys how, about why power gaming is good. 
And the reason I wanted to talk about this is because this is something that came to me later in life. I was one of those GMs that I'm sure are like a lot of you out there and said, I'll not allow power gaming in my game. I'll now not allow those people to play in my game. And if any of them try to come around my game, then they're going to get a swift kick in the butt. And I always thought that that was okay and acceptable to think that way. But after some reflection and just hearing one sentence that really, it's, it's like one of those things, you hear one thing and it changes your whole perspective. Uh, Guy Sklander's How to Be a Great Game Master on YouTube. He said, if people enjoy playing a game in such a way, then who are you to tell them that they're playing incorrectly? And it's true. There's so much truth to that, and it's the cold, hard truth. Yeah, power gaming sucks. The people that power game are sometimes annoying. It's sometimes annoying to be playing with them, and you feel like uh, they're, they're taking you out of the immersion. But who are you to tell them not to play that way? They're having a blast. They're having a good time, and that's what gaming is actually all about. It's actually having a good time. We kind of forget about that. We kind of forget that that's what we're actually trying to do. We do our 9 to 5. We pay our bills because we know that eventually we'll be able to have some fun. And this is part of that fun. And for that person who is power gaming, you know, this is someone that has cracked through the books, studied the material. Power gamers know the material better than anybody. They know what's what. And having that person in your game can be really beneficial they can help you with rules you know and and stuff like that what people are upset about is not power gaming it's about people that are dicks if a guy's if someone's a dick they're a dick and it has nothing to do with the way that they like to play if they're a rules lawyer and disrespectful and treating you terribly then that has nothing to do with their their style of play sometimes it's obviously hand in hand i get it but not always. Now, I, after having that revelation, it changed the way that I, I have people come up and play my games. And you guys know, I do a public game, Cyberpunk on the Spot. And even before that, my door was open to anybody to play. I didn't have any limitations on who could play as long as they abided by the normal, you know, common sense code of conduct. To be respectful you know watch what you say that that kind of stuff so some of that was inviting power gamers and instead of closing the door on them i let them in i let them do the things they wanted to do i had the patience to let them play that the way they wanted to play and really it was just a challenge for me to give them a little bit but also make it fair so I would give them a little bit, and because of that, I'd have to give the other players a little bit. And now the power gamer is kind of like the lawyer for the players. And they're like, hey, the power gamer will say, hey, I want something like this. And I'd ask the other players, like, what would you guys want if you had a choice? And they give me an idea of what they would want. And because of that, I make it happen. I don't, and I have to think of a creative way of making it happen. I don't go, yeah, well, open that drawer that your characters, what, this drawer and this table? Yeah, there you go. That's what you wanted. 
No, that, I don't do anything like that. I make it possible. I make them work for it. I put it there. So the power gamer, they're, they're, they're powerful, and they're there to acquire more things, but they're willing to work for it, too. Remember, they made this powerful demigod. They want to put this thing to use. So as a GM, I implore you guys to just be more creative. That's all it is. It's just another challenge for you. Let the power gamer in. Let them figure it out. Let them do the things that they want to do because it might open your eyes to new possibilities. I'm almost guaranteed. It's what happened to me for sure. It'll happen to you. Now, you let the power gamer in. They have their fun. And pretty soon you realize that it's all kind of these issues that you have. It's, it, it's socially based. It's all within. All these issues that you have with the power gamer and how they're playing your game. All you need to do is just have a little bit of finesse. There's no need to have an adversarial role with the power gamer. Instead, you should be having a role where you're guiding them to the things that they want to achieve, but making it harder for them. And remember, in Cyberpunk, there's armor-piercing rounds and armor-piercing this and that. You could do whatever you want, okay? Nobody is impervious. In Cyberpunk, a shot to the head can kill anybody. So no matter how powerful a power gamer is, you can always remind them that that's there. You can tell them maybe outside of the game, you don't have to threaten them. Just tell them like, hey, you know, it's cool that you have all this armor. It's cool that you're, you know, this amazing solo, but you're making a lot of enemies. And one well-placed shot is all it takes to kill anybody. It could come when you least expect it. And I don't care how much combat sense you have. If somebody is a mile away using a smart scoped 50 caliber sniper rifle and they got it trained on you and they know where you're always at and they do some recon, your character's dead. If a GM does that, they're a dick. 100%. If, he, if a GM does that, it's really messed up because it's not creative. There's nothing cool about it. You just kill the character arbitrarily. And it reeks of revenge, which is not good. Remember, we're supposed to be having fun, not trying to hurt each other emotionally or anything like that. But letting the player know that you're making enemies and the enemies are out there and then throwing rumors at the, out there and then getting information out there, like someone from their life path calls them and says, hey, man, you got a bounty on your head. It's come to everybody, and I don't know what to do. People are trying to come to me to get to you. So you got to make this right, whatever it is. All of a sudden, the power gamer that's killing all these people lays their sword down and now needs diplomacy. And this is where diplomacy can save them. And all you have to do is just bring that knowledge to the table. That's it. Just bring it to the table. Let them know that this is, this is the, the reality of it. There was a really cool YouTube video out there where uh, this guy, man, I wish I could find, I remember it. It was like an animated one. He's talking about power gamers. It's a D&D uh, YouTube video. Um, and supposedly the players were going around murdering everything. And no matter what this yeah, dungeon master, game master, whatever you want to call it, no matter what they put in front of them, these guys would just kill them and loot them. 
That's it. That's all they wanted to do. Kill, loot, kill, loot, kill, loot. It became a kill, loot simulator. And finally, the way the GM kind of got back at the players, long story short, was there was nothing left for them to kill. And they were the, they were the bad guys. And the, the like king nearby they thought was a necromancer, but the, he was just trying to bring back all the dead people that these guys killed because all of humanity was pretty much gone. And it left the players with like this feeling like, what have we done? <laughs> you know, was it worth it for this plus two sword to murder that whole village? And that's a really crazy creative way to, t- to like teach someone a lesson. But at least he let the players indulge in that game. You know, he let them play. He did. Maybe it wasn't enjoyable for him, and that's an issue. But he let them indulge. So that's the other thing. Remember, we're all supposed to have fun, like I said before. That's including the GM. I understand if you don't want to have a power player in your game because you're not going to have fun. But what if you could have fun? Think about that possibility. Think about the possibility that you'd have all these nightmare people in your game and it's not going the way that you want. But if you just thought of it differently and had a different perspective or had a little bit of ingenuity you would maybe actually enjoy it that's happened to me it's helped me and now i feel like i'm better for it all right guys thank you so much for listening about my rant about power gamers it's something i wanted to talk about for a while because it's a big learning experience for me Like I said, I was one of you guys out there that hates power gamers, hates min-maxers. And I still understand why you hate them. But like I said, there's a different perspective out there. And I hope mine helped you guys out. All right? Have a wonderful day. We'll see you guys next week. Happy 4th of July. Independence Day to all my Americanos. And we will see you guys on the next one.